Welcome to Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series on the hospitality tabletop industry. Hosted by Dave Turner, Seat Yourself is 20 to 25 minutes of what's happening in the world of hospitality tabletop. Dave is the globally known chief evangelist and editor for tabletopjournal.com. A non-traditional journalist, Dave has spent nearly 30 years as a sales and marketing executive in the world of hospitality. This podcast was originally published in the week of August 12, 2019 and runs for approximately 25 minutes. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to this week's Seat Yourself podcast. I'm Dave Turner. I'm your host here at Seat Yourself, and this is a place where each week we give you all the news and the overall happenings, all in the world of hospitality tabletop. Now, last week, we came to you from the beautiful beaches of the great state of New Jersey. And this week, well, we've moved a little further northward to our northern HQ, right here on the rocky coast of Maine. Known the world over for its lobster and its other seafood, Maine is an incredible state with a very vibrant and growing food and beverage scene. Now, during our recent sabbatical, I mentioned that we would be working on a couple of quote-unquote special projects, and today, I want to let you in on one of those. We here at Tabletop Journal, the team we have here, we've been coming down the backstretches of a new podcast, a new podcast that will be separate and very different than in the Seat Yourself format. In this slightly longer formatted podcast, the first part of each episode will feature a new product, and each of these products will be products that are designed to dramatically change the overall guest experience. But that's not all. The products must be easy for the dealer salespeople to provide to the operator and easy for the operators to put into their service protocols. And finally, we want these to be the types of products that are relatively inexpensive, but yet will still bring dramatic change to the guest experience, because it's our hope that through a better guest experience, the operator will make more profits and certainly have happier and more engaged customers. The second part of each episode will be a roundtable with our industry experience panel where we'll take on the various issues of the week, all unscripted and all unafraid. So that is the one, just one of the special projects that we have underway. The new and still-to-be-named podcast will be completely different, as I said, and separate from Seat Yourself. And it will also drop later in the week. In the format that we've targeted, it will also run just a little bit longer than Seat Yourself. All this to allow for the panel's different points of views. So that's it. One of our summer projects is nearly complete, and we're looking to a late September launch. By the way, if you know of a product that we might want to consider featuring in our opening segment of each episode, drop us a line and we'll give it some thought. And just remember, it has to be easy and it has to be affordable. And it must change the guest experience in a dramatic and in a tangible way. We want it to ultimately lead to higher profitability for both the operator and the supplier. And if you know of a product like that, be sure and let us know. And with all of that, I think it's time that we now get this week's episode of Seat Yourself Underway. At Seat Yourself, loyal listeners know that we start each week's episode with our stat of the week. And this week's stat of the week is two hours and 23 minutes. That's the average amount of time people all around the world spend daily on their social media activities, according to the team at Global Web Index Research. This annual study was conducted in the first quarter of 2019 and involved over 1.6 million internet users worldwide. The daily amount of time spent on social media was the largest in the Latin American region, with those users clocking in at slightly more than three and a half hours per day of social media usage each. 
And while North Americans and Europeans came in as the lightest users of daily social media, they still were coming in at a little less than two hours of social media every day. And when it comes to individual countries, the overall gold medal winner, no question about it, the Philippines, where internet users spend over four hours every day on social media. The silver medal, by the way, goes to Brazil with three hours and 45 minutes. And the bronze, well, that's a tie between Colombia and Nigeria at three hours, 36 minutes each day for social media usage. So I guess those Nigerian pyramid schemes really do take up a lot of time on social media. And so you may ask, where is everybody spending their time? What platforms are getting the most usage? Well, the leader is Facebook, clocking in at 58 minutes each day. And right behind that is Instagram with 53 minutes of usage each and every day all around the world. And now, what do people say about their motivations for using social media so much? Well, 40% say they want to stay up to date on current events and news. 39% want to stay in touch with what their friends are doing. And, interesting one for our our purposes, 31% are researching and finding products to buy. So, average daily social media usage, while decreasing in some countries, is overall increasing in average daily worldwide usage and now stands at 2 hours and 23 minutes each and every day. And that's our stat of the week. And in our first news story of the week, as I'm guessing you might realize by now that here at Seat Yourself, we get lots of things flying by our radar screen in terms of articles, stories, and news coverage. But it was a story in the latest inbound email from Liquor.com recently that really attracted our interest and our attention. It was a story titled, The Modern Moderation Movement is Real. And it described how Americans are drinking less as evidenced, they say, by the fact that alcohol consumption volumes here in the U.S. dropped for their third straight year in 2018. Now, normally, with a storyline like that, we might just keep on clicking through the variety of inbound daily emails that we get. Except this is not the first story we've seen, and it's not just the number of stories, but it's also where we've seen them. For example, we've seen similar stories in academic publications, such as the International Journal of Drug Policy. And then, We've also seen these types of stories in trend-setting publications like The Atlantic Magazine. Heck, not long ago, we even saw a story describing a phenomena called FOMA, fear of missing alcohol. And now, this article from Liquor.com comes into our inbox. Now, it's not as though populations across the globe are all turning to sobriety. But as stated in the Atlantic article, many millennials, especially the urban, college-educated consumers prized so much by marketers, might just be getting tired of drinking so much. Whoa now, hold on. That's enough to catch the eye of any pro tabletop and pro glassware person. But as the Liquor.com article points out, the number of places where you can drink has grown substantially in the past decade. And anecdotally, we know that there are so many more beverage options than it perhaps ever before. So it's not like people are not thirsty at all for a good drink. And yes, legacy beer brands have declined, but much of that decline has been offset by craft beers, which, by the way, they, the distilleries and the breweries for craft beer, they seem to be sprouting up on nearly all corners of the universe these days. And certainly, when it comes to spirits, people are drinking higher quality spirits with premium and super premium brands of nearly all spirits categories showing strong growth. And we've shared some of those stats in our Stat of the Week segments in past episodes of Seat Yourself. But... All this said, there does seem to be something to this moderation thing. Perhaps, maybe all this talk of moderation is part of an overall wellness movement. Or perhaps the legalization and availability of cannabis is behind this effort to limit our imbibing. Whatever the cause, the attitudes and the feelings about drinking alcoholic spirits 
are in need of changing. And glassware suppliers, and frankly, all of us in the hospitality industry, we need to take notice. You can read more about this moderation movement by going to liquor.com and reading author Nino Padova's article. And in our next news story this week, research firm TDN2K reports U.S. July restaurant same-store sales are down over a year over uh, prior year sales, and they're the weakest monthly restaurant in-store traffic figures since 2017. And while same-store sales include to-go or off-premise dining, those sales are still not strong enough for the July figures to go positive, according to the report. And even within the to-go sales, those sales are also showing a weakening trend versus prior months. The report cites several causes for concern going forward for the restaurant industry. First of all, a growing uneasiness with the overall U.S. economy, driven by the possibility of a trade war with China. And while the underlying overall U.S. economy remains strong, the uneasiness is likely to continue until the trade issue is resolved. A second issue facing restaurateurs is an increasingly tight labor market. This is causing operators to feel pressure to raise wages and increase overall operating costs as they try to attract and retain top talent. Looking ahead through the remainder of the year, research firm TDN2K expects a slowdown in same-store sales to continue along with declining guest counts. And when you combine all this with a large number of reported restaurant store closings, and while it's true many of these store closings are coming from restaurants that don't use permanent tabletop products, there are many that do. Chains like Pizza Hut, Perkins, Marie Callender's, Ruby Tuesdays, even Applebee's, and, and many, many others have all announced numbers of stores that they're in the process of closing. So declining traffic numbers, increased labor costs, store closings, and the growth, albeit a slowing growth, in to-go or off-premise dining, all lead to smaller restaurant footprints and numbers of seats in the future. And for us in the tabletop sector, all this ultimately leads to smaller quantities of dinnerware, glassware, and flatware for the new openings and smaller quantities on the reorder business for tabletop suppliers. It looks like permanent tabletop suppliers of all types will be fighting for a slowly shrinking, but shrinking nonetheless, piece of the pie going forward, at least for the near term. So tabletop suppliers, you may want to recheck to make sure that the value proposition that you're bringing to market is exactly where you want it to be. And in our company and product news this week, hospitality tabletop leader Libby recently reported results for the second quarter ending June 30th of 2019. A few of those highlights they reported were that overall net sales had reached $206.2 million, which is a decrease of over 3.5%, and gross profit for the margin for the same period, 22.7%. And during the second quarter, Libby experienced a net loss of over $43 million compared to a net income of $4 million in the second quarter of the previous year, 2018. And according to the company, the net loss in the second quarter of 19 was affected by a non-cash impairment, charges for a goodwill and for an intangible asset totaling $47 million for the quarter. Adjusted income for the operations increased 22, almost 23% to $15.9 million. And Mike Bauer, the still relatively new chief executive officer of Libby, commented on the results. I'm pleased to report that Libby delivered a solid second quarter performance with operating results that outpaced expectations, said Bauer. Although modest sales growth in our U.S.-Canadian segment was more than offset by declines in soft market conditions in EMEA and in Latin America. Our e-commerce business continues to make solid contributions to our quarterly results, aiding growth in our U.S.-Canadian retail business, and advancing our efforts to bring Libby's industry-leading products to a broader collection of customers. In the release from the company, Bauer went on to praise the company's intense focus on disciplined spending and strong operating performance in the manufacturing plants. 
In the information the company provided, there was no mention of the specifics of the performance of the Libby food service business. But in any industry, the category leaders need to be successful for the overall category to continue to be relevant and successful as a whole. And so within the hospitality tabletop business, as perhaps the largest supplier of permanent tabletop products to the global hospitality trade, we've made no secret of our belief that we need category leaders like Libby Food Service to be successful. Best wishes to a strong finish of 2019 to the entire team at the food service sector over at Libby. You can learn more about the Libby second quarter financial results by going to Libby.com and clicking on their investor page. And in our product news segment this week, the newest collection from longtime hospitality melamine leader Elite Global Solutions is a new Morocco collection. And that continues Elite's long tradition of innovation and quality in the food service world for melamine dinnerware and serveware. With irregular edges that embrace the rustic design of an authentic handmade representation, the new Morocco comes in earth tone inspired colors and mimics natural ceramic design by incorporating cultural elements from classic clay pottery. The naturally inspired design of Elite's new Morocco collection is a perfect choice for any tabletop committed to a handcrafted look and a handcrafted feel. The new Morocco collection has four unique colors that represent common architectural and ceramic styles of the North, North African country. New Morocco comes in a dark gray with speckle, an eggshell with speckles, a sunburned terracotta, all with speckles, and even a vanilla color. And of course, the monochromatic speckle design of this new collection is really intended to resemble qualities of artisan handmade pottery. The new Morocco collection comes in a variety of shapes and sizes, from three different sizes of plates, round plates, to seven-inch rectangular platters, and even has seven-and-a-half-inch round bowls. And with respect to the company itself, Elite Global Solutions was established in 2003 as a family-owned and family-operated business. In Senso's humble beginnings, they've managed to keep their family-focused atmosphere. Because of this, the team at Elite is rooted in high standards and core values with the sole purpose of sharing their success by giving back to those in need. Today, Elite Global Solutions is recognized as a world-class international leader of premium melamine products. In fact, Elite products are used in many of the world's forward-thinking hotels, restaurants, food service operators, even supermarkets and caterers. And of course, Elite products are all dishwasher safe and designed to handle both hot and cold food applications. You can find out more about Elite Global Solutions and their products by going to their website, egsfoodservice.com. Now 60 Seconds with Shannon, where Dave sits down with Shannon Talon of Edward Don Company and asks the question of the week. This week, Shannon talks about key trends in buffet and buffet equipment. Hi, everybody. We're back here with Shannon Talent from the Edward Don and Company. And Shannon, this week's question involves uh, your other category besides tabletop, but because we know in addition to tabletop, you're also the category manager for buffetware and buffet equipment. What are some of the key trends you see in that area? So buffet is such a fun category. There's been such a such an explosion of new products over the last few years in that category um, that it's been really fun to, to take that on over the last year or so. Um, again, we've we We've talked about this before um, in, on, on different episodes um, of, of uh, 60 Seconds with Shannon that it's all about differentiation and how operators can make their products, make their tabletop look different. The buffet line is, is, is no exception to that. I think there is a, um, a very significant operational consideration with the buffet line because 
um, those products can be, uh, you know, quite the investment. Uh, and just like your restaurant has to look, has to be clean and have a appealing presentation, the same is true for a buffet line. And so the product development we're seeing there is product that um, not only looks good, but addresses operational issues, whether it's keeping product um, at in the in the you know safe zone of temperature longer, um, helping the product look better, whether that's with a riser system or serving pieces. It's all about uh, the, the look and the aesthetic, but also the operational aspect of it. And where we've particularly seen some you know proliferation of a new product I think is in displayware. You know, melamine has become such a critical category in buffet. There's a lot of new melamine displayware, serving pieces, uh, bowls, things of that nature. Um, and then also, I think on the technology side, you know, as as induction and Schaefer alternatives, and those those bigger key pieces on a on a buffet line. Um, I think there's been a lot of new technology in those categories that are getting operators' attention. So again, not unlike tabletop, where it's about setting yourself apart, um, but also being able to attract and retain uh, traffic. Uh, that is all extremely relevant in that category right now, and I'm very excited to see you know what is what this category still holds in the industry and the new product development we're going to be seeing because I feel like a lot of the traditional tabletop suppliers are already completely into the buffet category or they're they're expanding into it. And that's really exciting, um, in my opinion, because we're just going to see some, I think we're going to see some really new and different um, and fun and also technologically cool product in the buffet space in the years to come. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think buffetware in my mind is, in uh, buffet equipment in my mind, has always been about function. And now you're starting to see that fun component really uh, come in in a big way. So a lot more fun in the buffet area. Absolutely. Now here's Dave with this week's commentary. This week, Dave talks about rekindling our passion for our jobs and careers. In this week's commentary, I want to talk about something that sooner or later, every one of us is faced with. We all hit a stage where in our everyday work life, we're simply grinding it out. The passion's gone. We're running from task to task going from assignment to assignment, all while making little or no progress. And the work that we fell so deeply in love with is simply no longer fun. So where did our passions and our energies go? Well, how did we lose them? And more importantly, how can we get them back? According to Forbes magazine, way over half the people in the United States feel disengaged in their jobs. And when we are passionate, we are engaged. And that's when we really do our best work. And we understand that all jobs have a certain amount of good and bad pieces to them. And not every day is an A-plus day, no matter how passionate or how engaged we are. But that said, we all feel a far better sense of purpose and fulfillment when we are passionate about what we're doing. And particularly when we've been doing something for an extended period of time, that passion can wane. And if you've ever felt that way, you're not alone. We all have those work-as-drudgery feelings from time to time. So show yourself a little compassion and understand that those feelings are completely normal. But now, how you reignite that inner passion is what is important. And here are three tips for doing just that. Tip number one, engage your brain. Learning either a new skill or learning more about your own self is often a great way to, to return to get back on that passion trail for your work and for your personal life as well. And that can mean reading a book uh, and expanding your thoughts, or it can mean spending time with someone who can teach you new skills and new ideas. 
Self-development not only opens up your mind, but it opens up your spirit as well. And self-development often gives you a different perspective that helps bring excitement back to your everyday work and responsibilities, and it gives you a feeling of more control back over your overall life. Tip number two, declutter your life and your workplace. We talk all the time about the speed of business and how it's accelerating more and more, literally every day. Well, that acceleration brings with it more emails, more admin work, and even more and more papers and folders to keep those papers. With all this work clutter comes a loss of passion and a loss of focus on what's truly important to you. When you start to declutter, both materially and digitally, you begin to regain a sense of priority of what's important and what's not. So you regain both your personal focus and your work focus. It's that refocusing on what you're passionate about and what is meaningful to you that helps to rekindle that flame that you thought was lost forever. And tip number three, one of the keys for me when I'm trying to renew my own personal energies is to consider new ways of thinking. Being open to change and new ideas is always a great way to consider the fact that maybe your current way of thinking or even your current job or position that was so perfect not so long ago, well, maybe it's not such a perfect job anymore. Maybe it's not the perfect way to be thinking. Maybe you need to rethink that concept or idea or perhaps rethink your career positioning. Quite frankly, often when I go through this process, I actually revalidate my thinking or I revalidate why I believe what it is that I'm believing. And yes, occasionally, I find I must, in fact, adapt my thinking as well. But either way, I come away feeling better about myself and nearly always that results in a renewed level of passion and engagement. And if you're currently struggling to find, uh, find again or to renew that professional passion, I want to also remind you of a commentary we had not long ago on self-compassion. You'll remember that self-compassion is about treating yourself nicely and not being so overly critical. You do that for a good friend, so why not do that for yourself as well? There's an LA-based street artist who is popular with his messages on Instagram and other social media sites, and his name is Wordsmith. Perhaps you've seen his postings of his street art online, or you've seen it live in one of the many cities where his original art is. Well, one of his images that he's done, I think it's on the corner of Melrose and La Brea in LA, is this message. And it says, give it your best every single day, and don't be so hard on yourself come nightfall. Those are good words to remember as we go about rekindling our passions and our energies. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Seat Yourself. And as always, I want to thank the Rockstar Category Manager, Shannon Talent, for joining us today. And of course, I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining in as well. And finally, I want to make a special thanks to the Edward Don and Company for sponsoring in part this episode of Seat Yourself. Edward Don and Company, everything but the food for nearly 100 years. And remember to be sure to check out their most recent tabletop advisor. You can download it from their website, www. Dot don dot com. Just go to the homepage and scroll down to the publications section. We'll see you next time, but always remember, Tabletop Matters. That concludes this week's episode of Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series. For more news, information, and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, be sure to check out tabletopjournal.com.